You're listening to the Child Life Cooperative Podcast, a place where child life professionals share their real and honest stories with host and certified child life specialist, Allie Jones. It's a new season and the Child Life Cooperative Podcast has a fresh lineup of guests to interview. First up is a popular child life blogger. Need a clue? She once volunteered to get an NG tube placed on herself so nurses could practice and so she could feel what her patients go through. Yes, this week's guest is not only a gifted CCLS, she's willing to go the extra mile in the profession. In this week's episode, Behind the Child Life Blogger, we will explore the career of certified child life specialist Don Klosmeyer, the creator of dosaplay.com. Now, here's this week's honest story. Welcome, welcome, Child Life Cooperative community. I'm Allie Jones, and I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in to season two of the Child Life Cooperative podcast. I'm really excited for this upcoming season. We have a lot of exciting guests lined up, um, some with experience doing child life internationally, some doing their own private practice work. So it's going to be a really neat opportunity for us to all hear different real and honest stories from child life specialists. And up today, I have Miss Dawn Klosmer calling all the way from Georgia. She is a certified child life specialist. She also was an ACLP Spotlight member this past year and was received that recognition for the wonderful work that she's done in our field to advance the child life profession as well. So I'm really looking forward to having you, Dawn. Thank you so much for being a part of our podcast and for calling in. I know that we might all hear the, the sound effects of me in Illinois and you in Georgia as we're talking on the phone today, but uh, why don't you just get started by talking a little bit about yourself. Yes. Hi, Allie. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. I, um, my name is Dawn Klosmeyer, and I started Dose of Play blog and the associated social media accounts to go with it. I'm a certified child, child life specialist um, with a 10 years of experience working in the field. And what really... Um, how Dosa Play blog really transpired for me and why I got it started was um, after having two precious babies of my own, really felt the pull to be at home with them, but still wanting to continue to provide, you know, that support and resources to families, um, you know, beyond the hospital walls. That's great. I can tell that you're really passionate about what you do. So Dawn, you like you said, you have ten years of experience, which is so impressive. And I actually asked Don to send me kind of a list of different things that you've done, which has been so much in like in so many different fields and and units of child life. Would you mind just kind of walking us through some of the high points of your career and the areas that you've worked? Sure. So I worked in my first role. I worked on a general pe- pediatric unit. So it was a variety of diagnoses, um, a lot of surgical, um, sort of, it could be anything from appendicitis to actually some more, a very unique population, which was um, patients who had small bowel complications and were even there for transplant. Um, From there, um, I worked there for about three years and then eventually headed back closer to home. And uh, in my new role, I was working part-time and providing coverage across the hospital. So I should backtrack a little bit because even in my first role, I worked a Sunday through Thursday shift. So I provided uh, cross coverage as well in that hospital 
to the ICU, to the oncology unit, hemonc oncology, um, to the bone marrow transplant unit, to the cardiac ICU. Mm. And then in the in the last uh, hospital I worked at, so I was again providing that uh, cross coverage support to all units, and it was a much larger hospital, and that could be anything from uh, working a lot of support to to the ICUs to for tr- trauma support and um, end of life support to more ortho procedures to more and more cardiac procedures so i mean i i think i've seen most of it honestly which is which is great and exciting and i think um kind of you develop just a lot of skills and you're constantly learning Absolutely. Especially when you're doing cross coverage, like you said, that you're having to service everything at any given moment, which is, I'm sure, a lot to keep up with. Do you have any significant stories that kind of stand out to you when you reflect back on on those years of clinical experience of just significant patient stories? Sure. Um, One child that I worked with, um, with with a chronic condition, a terminal condition, and, you know, we did a lot of different therapeutic play um, sessions, but one of them, she didn't have a lot of family present, and we, I accompanied her down for a pick line procedure. Well, she mm. thinks I was there the whole time, mm. <laughs> um, but um, at that hospital, they got <laughs> really sedated, mm. um, but again, with Paige, when she came out of it, and and this was, I think, weeks later, she had worked with the, our, that last hospital had a um, creating writing fellow um, from a major university who who came and worked I think twice a week with with some patients that we referred mm. and together they created this beautiful poem. It was about the impact of me being there and staying by her side and the support and no it just way. you know it touched my heart <laughs> oh. so deeply. And it you know we don't go into it. I think always seek it's not why we go into it seeking like I'm gonna do this for me but it does provide that encouragement and validation to get through those tough you know those tough days Um, especially losing a chronic patient or one you just you don't know it's still um, a child you know um their life cut too short so um that was one of them um Hmm. you know another one was my last hospital was you know, I never thought I'd go into the field making a book about pooping, you know, it just, <laughs> really, it just those silly, you know, those things that, but it was one of those things that I had to whip up, and of course, I kind of went back and forth with my colleague, oh, you know, she was a great support, we worked in the evenings, and we had very minimal, um, you know, staffing for Sister Lord Hospital, and so I'm, you know, sending it back to her, emailing, okay, does this look good, just kind of quickly, you know, rapidly trying to put this book together because it was a patient, uh, I believe a you know, four-year-old patient who had a cancer diagnosis and it led to having an ostomy and never needing, you know, never potty training, um, mm-hmm. at least going number two. And um, so th- this child had the reversal. So this was somebody I hadn't met, was called to come support this child. The child is very anxious, won't poop. And it was one of those things where I... You know, of course, looking back, I could say, you know, I maybe could have done a poop activity or <laughs> I just saw <laughs> one recently on Instagram. 
But um, I did make a book because I know how impactful books can be, especially mm-hmm. as just for that continuing education, knowing that kids need um, it over time and to learn something over and over again. And storytelling is such a wonderful way for young kids. Uh, so it, it just kind of walks them through of what, what, what my body's going to be telling me and what, you know, what I do. And, mm-hmm. um, and again, it was one of those instances that, that the family said, kind of seemed a little skeptical or well who is this coming into the room kind of thing and actually I believe the the parent had worked in some capacity and um and so moral of the story is was so receptive again we hear this a lot in child life can you guys should work an adult (laughs) (laughs) this has helped me this this is this makes a lot of sense I could use this with the adult patients and um it was just one of those um just of course that those, you know, experiences that really stand out in my mind and validated yeah. what we do and the impact um, for the for the child and the family, and it mm-hmm. helped. It's neat to hear because in, in both of those stories, they sound somewhat different, and, and it sounds like for you with this pick line placement, you were pr- providing services that you would for any patient in a lot of ways, yet yeah. it resonated so deeply with this girl of your compassion and your care for her. And then with this other patient, how it's really a story of you thinking outside of the box and not just providing just standard child life services, but asking what more can I do and how can I approach this in a creative way? In the midst of a family also kind of being hesitant, what what was running through your mind when you have a family that's like, um, yeah, or even staff that don't really think child life is legitimate or you kind of need to win them over? Like, does that intimidate you? Does it challenge you like what what sort of response sure. do you have there have been moments of course um i think confidence uh confidence in and and what you know can be offered and to give yourself grace too because maybe you have this great idea and maybe it might um it might not work you know um but to know that that's okay like let's say you're going into um, an IV start or something, and you have a team, a particular member of the medical team that really, that maybe doesn't know child life and wants a child to lay down and, or wants them kind of restrained in a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. I think you, you might share quickly about a research part, of it, but you might just say, you know what, can we try just one way? I, I've really seen this help kids cope. Um, and many experiences and, you know, they were playing really nicely before you came in or we, we talked about a, a plan. Can we just try it one time? And if it doesn't, I'd love to, you know, try some other options. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of meeting them, um, in the middle in the way, I guess you're, you're sharing your way, but just kind of not being too pushy, but just trying to find that common ground or that, you know, we both want to help this child. So can we just try it this way? And then we can try your way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever had staff when you're suggesting things that don't want to do it and won't? Sure. Um, well, one, maybe I should share the story of probably one of the most challenging experiences I had with uh, a couple of staff members, um, and it was during an IV start. Mm-hmm. And typically how it works and and I'm maybe a lot of other people can relate to this is when oftentimes on a unit um they'll try two times and that that was usually the limit 
they'll try to start an IV twice. And if they can't find a vein, they'll give the child a break, and then we call another team that does um, IVs a lot more frequently, and they're kind of coined as the, you know, the experts. Um, they try not to put that pressure mm-hmm. <laughs> on them um, mm-hmm. as they come into the room for the sake that it could still fail. But um, a lesson they've learned over time not to do, <laughs> to, to share with families. Mm-hmm. But um, there's a couple people, whether they come from the ED, because they do put on, put in so many IVs um, a day, or it could be on, a, on another team, um, uh, like a transport team who does it in emergent situations. So mm-hmm. in this case, one of these staff members was called in, two of them, um, and I had developed a plan with the family, and it was a young three-year-old, I believe, and she was coping great and had, unfortunately, two, maybe they even did a third unsuccessful start that time, and um, and what happened was, it's, it's a little foggy because it was such a stressful <laughs> situation, but I was, at one point, I, you know, it was, they, they tend to kind of rush in and get started right away. Um, when they kind of come in and that's what they're used to, this mm-hmm. particular team. And so that can be an, an issue and intimidating in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was already in there with the family and didn't have the opportunity to pull them out or maybe in retrospect, a learning moment as I should have just said, can we pause for a moment? Let me talk to you outside. Um, but we, she got started and I was, I was holding her hand and she slapped my hand down. Hmm. And I mean, I was just in utter shock. Who slapped your hand down? The staff? The nurse. <gasps> yeah. Oh. Yeah. It was, <laughs> um, to this day, I mean, I was still telling other people, are like, what? Yeah, that's um, crazy. And perhaps the most striking, one of the most striking things to me um, that really, gosh, I felt so horrible was the fact that the family had to see that. Yeah, absolutely. Too. And, And I had built such a good relationship in those few hours of, you know, I'm pretty sure I did a hands-on medical play to prep for the IV, and we came up with a coping plan, and we had really built such a trusting relationship in that short time. And and as we were walking back, you know, fast forward, we got through, I think they, you know, got the IV in. Oh, she was also leaning back at first, and I actually did say, you know what, she's actually sat up perfectly still the last um, times can we sit her up? So there was a compromise where she did let her lay back sort of sitting up in the, you know, when you pull the, uh-huh. the bed seat up back, but was not happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> and just the whole um, demeanor of this person and um, just kind of unfriendliness and not quite child friendly and, um, or even friendly to somebody who you're supposed to be working with, mm-hmm. you know, from the eyes of a parent. I, you know, she clearly saw this. Went back to the room, the mother was just astonished and said, I can't believe that happened. You know, asking a few questions and that was a that was one of those moments where it might for some have been easy to say, I know, oh my gosh, but I just know the values of that, you know, our hospital and, and that's that's not gonna help anything, right. I don't think, in that moment. So really leveling up and saying, Oh, you saw that Yes, you know, I'm going to, you know, figure, I don't remember the exact words, but it wasn't to go down and say, I know I'm going to have a talk. And, you know, right. You know, right. I think it was something like, yeah, you saw that. Hi, I'm going to talk to her. I think, you know, maybe there's something I was missing or maybe she didn't hear me. So, um, wow. but 
it was a challenge. <laughs> yeah, that takes a lot of self-restraint on your part and just, yeah, like a lot of graciousness in some ways of, of recognizing, like, I'm going to do whatever I can to manage her up and not try to put her down, even though, yes, she was absolutely in the wrong. Um, but yeah. for the sake of, of unity of the hospital and seeming like all on the same team, I mean, that's, that must have and been very hard. And I have to hard. share that the next, com- the, you know, the next conversation, you know, the, the best thing to do, you know, I, I t- shared it with my leadership and we had a critical conversation, a crucial conversation. I, I think they were, of course, off the next day or something, but as soon as we could, and it was, I'm not going to lie, it was tough. Mm-hmm. It, it, it didn't go beautifully. There was a lot of resistance which tends to historically come from uh, sort of that team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but understanding that they're coming from a different place of emergency and right. uh, don't have time for big plans. So, you know, I learned from it for myself in that moment. Um, I typically will tell the, the, the plan with, the, you know, the primary nurse. And in that instance, I didn't pull her out and say, guess what, I know she's three and sometimes three-year-olds. Um, can protest and it's difficult but you know she's a three year old who's doing really really great was just sitting up and has kept her arms still so there was things I learned from it um, and I always try to take you know take away I always I'm just somebody who self reflects a lot yes, and absolutely. I want to take that experience and just move forward not harp on you know what I could have done better because mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of positives from it but you know we both I think found some common ground even though the conversation was difficult mm-hmm. wow what a I can't say I've heard a staff resistance <laughs> story quite like that but it really sounds like you handled it with a lot of humility and a lot of grace and um having that reflective eye to say like okay what what could I alter next time when working with staff to help it be more effective but like you also said not not picking yourself apart either and and kind of recognizing like this isn't this was out of my control to some extent of how this staff member treated me. Um, yeah. And all I can be responsible for is how I address the situation and move forward. So well done. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now we're going to head into kind of a new segment of our podcast season. It's called, what would you do? And something I've seen, especially on your blog, is you have some really awesome NGTube resources. It sounds like you've also placed an NG, or you had an NGTube placed on yourself as well for teaching, correct? Like to, to demonstrate? Yes, that is true. You're very impressive. So this kind of inspired this what do you do segment. Are you ready? Awesome, I'm ready. Okay. You have been called to support a 15-year-old with high anxiety who is about to get an NG tube. Not just 10 minutes ago, staff attempted to place an NG tube without child life present, and it was unsuccessful and even a little bit traumatic. When you enter the room, she is sobbing uncontrollably and begging for the medical team to give her sedation when they try to place the NG tube again. What would you do? (laughs) What would I do? Oh, this is, you know, we all know, guys, um, and if you don't know, NGs are probably the one of the most, if not the most invasive mm-hmm, <laughs> procedures mm-hmm. um, out there, and it, it's a tough one, and um, 
and it definitely took getting to a comfort level and the more times you do it and support from other people on my whether it's my team mentoring me uh, the former specialist in my role but what would I do I was you know you still you know you're entering the room you're you're late to the game so you still need to give that quick introduction of your name I'm a tally specialist I'm here to help um you know help you through this proce- this procedure I know it's it's, it can be so hard. You're doing great. We're going to, I'm here to help. So we're going to take a pause. Um, and, and going in there, since they called me on the phone prior to, um, right. You said that they, yeah. they called me. Yeah. Um, I would have asked them on the phone, like, okay, I'll, I can be there and I give them the time. I can be there. I can be there in three minutes. Um, I'm coming up now. I'm, I'll, if I can have a few minutes to take a break. Um, and chat with them, and usually they're very supportive because it hasn't been going well mm-hmm. um, in my experience. And um, just being the constant, I'm going to come in and ask everyone just to step out of the room. Um, so I think we, I think you do need to do that to calm the situation, and so that even a teen doesn't think that you're trying to pull something past them, and that there still might be a, might be it coming right that moment. Um, so. And I'm assessing kind of the room. How many people are in the room? Is, you know, is is it mom, dad? Sometimes there's even, what, NGs, for different reasons. In my experience, it could be a new patient admitted for an eating disorder. So mm-hmm. sometimes the whole, sometimes there's multiple family members there, really, because mm-hmm. they came in through the ED, they weren't expecting, or they came into the clinic and then were said, nope, you know, your heart rate, this and that, you need to be admitted. And sometimes those families are shocked and, and multiple members come right away. Um, so they may or may not, depending on what unit this happened, um, and the staff that day have, you know, asked some of the people to leave. Or maybe the family said, oh, we're going to stay. And it just, there's a lot of people. There could be multiple nurses, nurses in the room. So really looking at the environment all around. But one of the key things I, I always do just as you'd walk into a room with a young child with bubbles or something to gain that quick rapport and to show that you're not coming in with the tube. And I think it's still important to do that with a teen, to mm-hmm. bring something tangible like a stress ball. My favorite thing, and we, I always have a lots of different stress balls, but one of the favorite things I use um, every day is model magic <laughs> with mm-hmm. teens um, because it is so relaxing and, and therapeutic that they can kind of be squeezing and I've found that breaking off a piece of you have extra to spare for the family in the room, the parent, they often need it too. <laughs> That's such and a good idea. <laughs> and it's an icebreaker. It's something like, ah, you know, they usually will say something jokingly or like, yeah, do I look like I need this or whatever it is. And it does help to lighten that little thing that you can do. Um, and so... You know, and it gives them just something to focus on as they're maybe hopefully going to open up to me and talk to me. And I might ask them, you know, some, you know, questions. But I really try to encourage, okay, let's just take some deep breaths. Let's, we're just, this is a pause. We're just stopping down first before we talk. Again, I'm only here to talk to you um, right at this moment and help think of ways with you of how we can make this go a little bit better because um, it is important for your body we do need to get this tube in and um, anesthesia is not an option for us so I have worked with other teens um, through this procedure and you know what I want to just encourage you and share with you that they have gotten through it and they didn't think they could and and I'm going to share how or what they did um, mm-hmm. that's big 
Mm-hmm. So, and some of the big things really is and is a cup of water. Um, and I know I th- I think I've heard some some staff don't not allow a lot of water intake for various reasons. Um, uh, they're because maybe they, maybe it's for then they're going to go have a, se- a per- procedure and then they they actually are still MPO. Um, sometimes that's happened so you do need to check uh with the nurse but sometimes they do still allow those few sips and uh and really coming up of the plan so did you try the water okay sometimes it can be serious entering your body the best things you can do you know close your eyes and walk them through the things that you already probably do with teen patients um uh closing the eyes uh deep breaths before and positive thinking is a really huge one that I hone in with teaching patients. Like if you go in thinking, I'm not going to do this, you're not going to do this. You're not going to want to do this. Mm-hmm. But to really tackle it and say, I can get through this really, really hard thing. I can do it. I'm going to show myself I can do it. Um, it's just such a impactful tool. And, um, and I, and I kind of share, and I'm here and I'm going to be sort of, and I joke and kind of use humor and I'm going to be your cheerleader and I'm going to help you in case you forget. It can happen that you forget and pull away, but I'm going to have the straw right here by your mouth and encourage you to take sips when it's the time. And afterwards, you know, it does get less, uh, there's less discomfort with time. So please know that and please know the best thing you can do is to, um, do an act, your favorite activity. Here's what I have. And here's what, you know, here are the resources available to, and we're going to get that right away and help and taking your mind off of it will really be the best thing. So wow. it's not easy. And you know what? Yeah. It doesn't always come out beautifully. It doesn't, you know, I don't want it to like phrase that it does each time, but those are just some of the some of the ways I approach it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I just learned so much. Honestly, oh, like that was so helpful. I'm sure our listeners feel the same, but like to hear about model magic, like I've never thought about using that before, but I love the way that you also go in to give a break, but you're also kind of reassessing what do you need to change? Like, is it just little things like a cup of water or maybe having someone step out of the room or, mm-hmm. you know, going in with that eye is really awesome. And I mean, in this scenario, let's just say that the patient coped beautifully because that was such a great answer, (laughs) Dawn, and I really appreciate you um, sharing with all of us, too. That is so helpful. And I feel like I have so many other questions, but we're running out of time, and we have to wrap up. We'll have to do a part two. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But we have to finish with the rapid five, Dawn. We just have to. Okay. So, Sounds good. Let's shoot. <laughs> time for the rapid five. Five quick brief answers. Number one, you are passionate about technology. I've seen from like spellbound things that you have done and things like that. What is one of your most truly or trusty technology gadgets you use for child life? Love it or hate it, the iPad for mm-hmm. its convenience, all the tools that can be on there, um, and all the different ways, hands down. Absolutely. I'm, I'm right there with you. Number two, what is one of your favorite posts you have ever written for Dose of Play? It would have to be, the one I wrote would have to probably be the explaining death to my preschooler, um, just because it was honest, and all of my posts are honest, but it was raw, and I think it really laid a story, and it, but it gave practical tips, and I know it's a question that so many um, of my friends and family and all families out there want to know and get stuck in, so I really wanted it to be just that raw thing that, whoa, okay, now here, 
here it happened to me too and here's here's how you can do it too and here's here's the, t- the tips and, and the resources mm-hmm. yeah absolutely that sounds very applicable no matter if your child life or not so helpful for families which I know is a big target audience for you for your blog as well <laughs> number three you have a large social media presence and are really well known in child life like how we were connected through that but what is something some people may not know about you what I love about this podcast is to be vulnerable and honest um, and to just kind of relate and um, so I think I'll go with that um, that confidence and a poor memory and probably overanalyzing everything I do <laughs> it are some struggles that I have personally and you know and have impacted professionally now the, the positive is that I've learned ways to work with these challenges, and I really try not to devalue my worth as a professional or as a human um, with those maybe, quote, uh, faults. So I know they need nurturing at times, but I really just try to remind myself not to focus on what other people may or may not even be judging me for. Um, no one's perfect, and I, I don't know, I just feel like... To, you just have, I know that I live my life with positive intentions and to know that you're like let's say for child life I can still be a great child life specialist even though I you know have these faults we all are so different we bring something different to the table absolutely wow thanks so much for being so vulnerable I really appreciate that and like you said I mean we're all human like we all have different things that we're insecure about or that we struggle with but I love the way that you've also channeled that um that into thinking about how you can handle that and press forward not for perfection but for the sake of growth which is huge so thank you Dawn Um, number four when covering so many different units what is one procedure you get called for and immediately have that like oh my gosh sort of moment (laughs) you get nervous um, or even excited one that you get excited to support Uh, because I covered so many different <laughs> units for a lot of my career, really, um, it's really hard to pick one because there were so many, mm-hmm. you know, for so long. Um, because you go in, you might go in thinking, ah, oh, crap, I don't know, you know, all the steps there. You want to provide that stress point preparation, um, but you know, I've learned to let that go and just just go in, use my confidence, use what I know about child development or cues, their cues and coping strategies and all the, the basics. And to say, you know what, my presence here is going to be better, I hope, <laughs> I think, than, than perhaps without. So I, I'm here to help and any little difference I can make um, is worth it and, and I should be here. So that's 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 the truth I can't think of one specific and it might have been NGs in the beginning Uh (laughs) um uh, excited though it really has become NG I know it's kind of weird but um now the first one that comes to mind is I do like that I think that it's it's very natural for that one to be the most nerve-wracking for a lot of people because if you don't work on that specific unit and don't do it all the time even if you do it all the time you know that it could be disastrous um and you know just how hard it is um because some people have that gay reflex too and and you just you know that challenge um but i think just being confident in techniques that that work and and getting that validation from staff even when it's horrible when i've been very fortunate to work with some lovely nurses that say thank you for coming like it was a mess it was a mess and i might have messed up and i thought oh my 
gosh, I forgot to say this, or yikes, where was I today? You know, um, but I've had these wonderful humans that I worked with on other teams say, oh, thank you, that was rough, and just kind of, you know, you felt that sense of team, so. Absolutely, I, I completely get that. You never know if even your presence will be a benefit for the nurse, even if it is feeling like a train wreck, <laughs> yeah. that, that's, that's so helpful. And number five, Dawn, so you have two sweet, adorable children and a third on the way. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So if you could only choose three toys for your children to play with for the next year, what would those three toys be or things? I would have to say blocks for sure. That's number one. That comes to my mind instantly. And I pull it up with, you know, probably Moms out there might be cringing. <laughs> no. um, and stacking cups. Yes. And just because of all the creativity and the problem solving and, um, you know, just imagination and the endless ways, yeah, to play with them. Uh -huh, absolutely. Kind of open ended things blocks, Play Doh, and you said stacking cups. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Good, good choices. I'm sure that would. <laughs> I'm sure you, you are, you're such a creative person. I've loved seeing the different things that you do with your kids that I have no doubt with your creativity and guidance and their creativity that you guys would be able to be totally fine for a year. <laughs> well, that concludes our Rapid 5 segment and our podcast with Miss Dawn. You can check out her blog at doseofplay.com doseofplay.com it is so helpful so insightful you can also follow her on instagram make sure you also follow the follow the child life cooperative on instagram and we're so excited for this next season if you have any suggestions that you want to hear any comments or questions for dawn or for myself you can send me a direct message but we thank you guys so much for listening and may we all make sure to press into the the mission of the child life cooperative by learning through reflection uniting for support and equipping students thank you guys so much until next time